Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of The Coming Soon Show. I am one of your hosts, Billy Archiello, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and good buddy, Casey. Hey, how's it going? Uh, excited to uh, talk some movies this week. Uh, so, how, how you doing? Good, man. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. You know, just uh, trying to catch up on all the news and stuff and uh, you know, figuring out the life in the COVID-19 era, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that changes every week. But what's crazy is I'm looking at our, our show notes and I feel like if we did this podcast yesterday, half of this show wouldn't be here. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> like it. It's been a very eventful 24 hours. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's the that's why I think the beauty of this show is, is there's just so much like information in the world and like especially in like the movie world that's changing on a daily basis that having a yeah. show where you can kind of, you know, pick up all the pieces you may have missed. I mean, I'm sure there's things that you and I miss, too. So um, being able to pick on pick up on those and stuff is, is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like even up until you know, the minute we started recording, I feel like the show is still changing. And, and, you know, and I know at least one piece of news that we're going to talk about is something you texted me about maybe 45 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even like, uh, you know, I guess this is kind of a good place to start too. But uh, even like the tenant trailer, like, you know, we're getting that at some point today. But as mysterious as the movie is, we don't know when that when that is like, Actually, uh, I literally just now saw uh, Regal posted. Uh, it was just like the Tenet logo, uh, uh -huh. and it said uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so tonight. All right. So, well, at least so that's tonight. Not yeah. But uh, yeah, and then hopefully we'll know more about that. But yeah, go 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 on with uh, any any Tenet info you have. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's really exciting because. You know, like we had talked about last week, Tenet has kind of been the one film that's kind of held their ground and like, you know, they haven't backed down from that release date. And there's a lot of uncertainty around that release date. You know, are they going to stay July 17th? Or are they going to delay it? Um, so I think that, you know, having this trailer, getting that marketing going is very exciting because it means that it is coming. You know, yes, last night we got a TV spot and it said coming to theaters, which kind of confirmed a lot of the speculation. I, I never thought Personally, I never thought this was ever going to be a uh, video on demand release, but uh, you know the fact that it is it is coming to theaters is exciting, uh, and it kind of, I guess, is going to be a test run. Like this, is, there's so much that is, you know, relying on a successful release from Tenet whenever we get it. You know, yeah, and there's a, there's a few things with Tenet that I think are worth noting involving like it's it's staying put in terms of its release date or it hasn't pushed yet or hasn't gone on demand uh i think the biggest thing about that is christopher nolan is probably one of the only directors right now that if a studio says hey you know do you want to delay your movie he's one of the few directors in the world right now that could say no and uh you really can't make me unless you unless there's like you know this goes up to like 11 soon and things get worse which god i hope they don't but I, I don't think i can handle get, it no please uh, you know we're over two months at home now i don't want to be home for another two months but you know he's one of the only ones that could say no you know i, I don't want to i don't want to delay if we don't have to i don't want to go to a streaming 
Um, and he, and it shouldn't like this is a movie that has to be seen on the big screen. Like if you've seen any of his movies, which I can't imagine there being a person who hasn't seen at least one between the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception and, you know, Dunkirk or anything like I can't imagine there being someone who hasn't seen at least one of those. Yeah. But, and I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, I, I did hear something that um, I don't know if it was Warner Brothers. um ruling on it or or nolan's kind of stance on it but i heard something about there has to be 80 percent of theaters open for them Mm -hmm. to release the movie this summer yeah they were i think the numbers came down it was like 3500 theaters in the u.s and like 33,000 theaters like worldwide which is huge and i mean you know granted we're only mid-may so we still have it'll be like almost two months to the day because it's just so july 17th is it's scheduled release um so it you know hopefully it's doable um but it's just it's going to be really interesting because you know like you said this this is one of those movies that has to be seen on, on an imax the biggest screen possible the best sound possible um I know you and I saw the i forget what it was with but we saw the pro was it star wars that we saw the six minute um yes yeah, yeah it was yeah it was rise of skywalker yeah and that just that blew me away and I, I i i don't i have no idea no context it was just like a random scene for all i know it could have been like middle of the movie but that one scene was like okay it sold me so um i'm just it's gonna be interesting um and i think that uh you know a lot is is relying on this too because the the, literally the very next week, July 24th, is Milan, which got pushed from April. Was it? No, from March, right? March. Yeah, yeah March. March. Um, and I, honestly, if Tenet gets pushed, because the other rumor is that the, we are going to get it in theaters this summer, but the other rumor is that it might take Wonder Woman's release date and shift Wonder Woman back to December. And that's going to cause a whole shockwave of other delays that we could talk about you know, on a whole other episode. But um, I don't think that Disney is going to be that, that test subject. I, I think if, if Tenet gets pushed, I think Mulan is going to get pushed too, because Disney doesn't want to be the first one out and be seen as that, that failure, you know? No. And I, and I think that's Disney's stance across the board. Like, uh, just today, universal, uh, parks and resorts in Florida announced that they are going to open their parks. Their planned release date is June 5th, um, opening date, not release date, <laughs> um, and Disney hasn't said anything about their parks yet. Um, there's rumors they may talk about it this week. We don't know yet. But I think that may be Disney's stance across the board is, you know, don't – there's no – there's not going to be any glory in being the first ones back mm-hmm. in all this. Because if you're the first ones back, whether it's you're the first movie out or you're the first theme park open, if that happens and something really bad or negative comes of it, that's a stigma you're not going to be able to shake and it looks really, really bad. So I can see them saying, yeah, let's let's let Warner Brothers give this a shot or let's let Universal give this a shot first. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really I think that's then that's, you know, a whole other topic is like, you know, that's what I, I you know, we, we, we both kind of have the same views on that. Like Disney doesn't want to be the first, but how far can they really push them on? Because they've already pushed it once. They already had all their marketing out. They had you know, all their merchandise. Like I remember we were starting to see like merchandise pop up in stores and online and stuff. And, you know, you, 
you can't just push that stuff to next year. So that if this gets pushed, like I think it's going to be the ripple effect is going to go well beyond just, you know, these next couple of months, because does that mean that they push Mulan to uh, take Black Widow's release and push the and, and shift the MCU for a third time this year? Like there's just it's it's interesting. I don't necessarily I don't know if uh disney pushing one of theirs would impact the marvel stuff disney and it's weird and interesting how disney releases have always kind of worked in their own worlds like there's been disney stuff coming out within weeks of marvel stuff and pixar stuff coming out within weeks of um marvel or star wars or whatever it is and they've usually done really well in not interfering with each other so now granted they are kind of making mulan look look more like a uh, bigger action movie version of Mulan. So I can mm-hmm. see that maybe being in the way, especially when you're kind of building your whole thing about, you know, an empowering female main character um, that, you know, you want to get people rallying behind. So I get maybe not wanting to have Mulan and Black Widow right next to each other release wise, but I. Yeah. I mean, I think it. I, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, I don't know that. I, I think you can get away with delaying Mulan once more. I don't think you think you could push Black Widow anymore because the further you push Black Widow, the further things change in the MCU. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm more so just concerned about like release dates that they have like like locked down because you know as we get further into the year, it's only going to get tighter and tighter as far as where they can even place this movie too with other movies coming out, and then Soul got pushed to November, and then you know so it's just. I don't I think it's just a matter of where they can even place this movie. So it's uh definitely gonna be an interesting uh twenty four hours until we get that trailer and even an even more interesting uh fall. And I think what's even more interesting on that is by the time anybody listens to this podcast, they'll have seen the trailer and and they'll know. Yeah. <laughs> so right. they're they're listening to two guys in the past go, what's gonna happen? And by this point, because uh, uh, you know, we were, were recording on Thursday to release on Friday. That's our typical plan. And you know, if anyone listens to this Friday or onward, this is just two guys, you know, in in the before times saying, "Oh, I don't know when this movie's going to come out." And you know, cut to nine a.m. Friday morning. Both you and I will know. <laughs> our, yeah, our, our podcast will be outdated before it even launches. But you know, yeah. that's the yeah, that's is... <laughs> the the structure of this. You know, that's how rapidly things are changing, and it's. You know, if nothing more, it's a fun little like. Hey, sorry about that, guys. We had some technical difficulties, but we are back. So we're going to jump right back into it. Um, Casey, tell me about Bill and Ted. Yeah, so um, Bill and Ted, uh, nothing has been confirmed just yet, but uh, Bill and Ted is one of the many movies uh, in the last couple of days, actually, that uh, has um, been rumored to be getting a or foregoing a theatrical release, uh, which is supposed to be in August and going straight to uh, digital. Uh, no word on if it's going to be a video on demand release or if it'll be, um, you know, a streaming service uh, or if it'll even happen at all. But uh, it's, I think that's kind of the nature of where we are right now and what we you know, how Hollywood moves forward from all of this uh, with going digital. Um, so we got Bill and Ted as a rumor. Um, Palm Springs, which is uh, Andy Samberg's uh, new film that was actually uh, got, was it the highest um, purchase ever at a, at Sundance? Is that what it was? I think so. I yeah, I remember 
it going for a good chunk of change. Yeah, and it was I, a smaller budgeted comedy, so it's kind of kind of crazy that it did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, they did it as a joke because the price, I don't remember the exact price, but it was like 0.69 cents. So it was like, I think it was like 18 million and 69 cents or something. Um, <laughs> of course. And it literally beat it by that 69 cents. So of course, you know, Andy Samberg, uh, of course he would do that. But uh, that actually got uh, a release. I think that one was always planned for um, a uh, digital release because Hulu purchased it. Um, but I think I, it sounds like it may be getting released earlier than anticipated, um, which is uh, next month, actually June 26, which is really exciting because that's uh, the week after um, Apatow's, or Apatow's uh, new film, Kings of Staten Island. So we're going to get two really, really good, hopefully really, really good uh, comedies back to back. So I'm excited about that. Which is good. I mean, I feel like in in times like these, you know, when, when you're kind of uncertain about what's going on in the world and you don't know when things are going to resume any kind of normalcy or any, you know, whatever that ends up being, I think having stuff like comedies is good because you get to take your mind off of stuff. It's also stuff to relate to as well. So um, especially with stuff like Judd Apatow's movies, his movies always end up being very heartfelt and there's a lot of realism in them. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, having those two come out near each other is going to be a nice two week span where you get these nice new movies and just laugh a bit and, and kind of forget about what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Kind of escape a little bit and, um, which I, like you said, is something that's very needed. You know, Andy Samberg movies, I don't necessarily think that they're, you know, on the same level as like an Apatow as far as like, you know, the, how smart the humor is. Cause, uh, Samberg movies are kind of a little more on the tone with like Adam Sandler, but his movies always seem to have a lot of heart. You know, they always seem to have like a good message behind them. Um, even if it is a little more childish humor. So, uh, I think those are really accent each other. Well, in this one too, I, I, he's he's in it obviously and i think him and the lonely island guys produced it but i don't think any of them wrote or directed i think it was some other people yeah it was it was a different team um actually i want i'm curious to see what they directed now um let's see because i know the last movie that the lonely island guys um did for themselves like that they were involved in whether acting or anything like that was obviously pop star mm -hmm. and you know they wrote that and apatow produced it and uh, you know, it wasn't a huge critical success or, or fi financial success, but it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Popstar is great. It's a classic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't think they've done anything like big here. Um, nothing really uh, of note here. A couple of TV shows that were on FX and things like that. But uh, you're right. It's a different uh, directing and writing team. So I'm curious to see, you know, what comes of that. So I'm but. You know, it's it had a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes coming out of Sundance. I don't know if it's still there, but I'm, I'm I would be surprised if it was lower than like ninety five. Um, but everything I've said is they've just said it's phenomenal. Um, they said that you know it's one of those movies you want to go in knowing as little as possible, which is a, really a shock for a comedy because usually comedies you know you want to know that punchline and like you want to know what's gonna what the style of humor is. So to say that you should go into a comedy knowing nothing is really like interesting to me you know i think that's like one of the best ways to do uh i mean if you can see any movie without seeing or knowing anything i always think that's a great idea because your expectations are somewhere in <clears> the <throat> middle like you don't know 
whether it looks good or bad or anything like that. All you know is like, hey, this is a movie that these people are in. Like, I remember forever ago, I went to an early screening of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And at mm-hmm. this point, no tra- no trailers had been out, no posters. All we knew was Jason Siegel wrote it and he was in it. And that was it. Like, we didn't know anything else. I, I don't even know if they if we knew the title before we saw it. And uh, my buddy Stolas and I went in to see it. And we were just like, oh, my God, this movie is amazing. <clears throat> like, it's so funny. There's a great story. It's so much better than we expected coming in. And not to say we expected bad, but we just didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. So anytime you get a chance to – or I get a chance to see a movie, especially on the big screen where I don't know anything, whether it's I haven't seen a trailer I don't, or I don't know the plot or anything like that, I'm I'm so in. All right. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, we seem to be having uh, some unfortunate technical difficulties again here. Um, hopefully uh, third time's a charm here and we'll be be able to get through the rest of this episode. Um, so we were kind of talking about like, you know, the digital and on-demand releases and stuff like that. Um, and I think that what's interesting is a lot of, uh, you know, streaming services, there's so many coming out. You have HBO Max that's launching next Wednesday on the 27th, um, you know, and Peacock is coming out in June too. Um, but I think that now it's coming, the streaming services are starting to have to get creative, um, with how to keep the fan base and sustain their, their viewership. Uh, Netflix actually did something really cool today. They announced that, um, they are going to start, uh, going through and anyone who has had an inactive account that hasn't been used in eight months or more, they're going to send you an email. Um, and if you want to cancel it, they're going to cancel it. Um, because I think that they're kind of in that mindset of, that loyalty and how to sustain you, um, by, you know, giving you that peace of mind that, you know, this company does actually care about you as a consumer rather than some of the other companies that would essentially just bleed you dry. You know, if you, uh, you know, if you stop, if you don't cancel, that's on you. Um, so it's kind of an interesting kind of like a power move, if you will. No, and it's smart. It's a, it's a, it looks like a great goodwill gesture on their end because so many people forget to cancel their accounts and then they end up looking at their bank statement, um, you know, end of the month or end of the year. And they're like, why did I spend this much on Netflix? I don't use Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice for them to go, Hey, if you're not using this, we'll help you cancel it. It it looks good to the public. So I I think that's a great move, especially with, you know, HBO max on the horizon next week and Mm -hmm. Apple TV and prime and, Hulu and every everybody making big moves right now. I think that's you know that's a that's a really good gesture. Yeah, and it's it's an unexpected one too, so it's kind of exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, on in streaming fronts, there's news all over the place. Uh, Apple TV uh, announced that uh, they picked up the rights to the Tom Hanks new streaming or Tom Hanks new movie that was supposed to be coming out to theaters, uh, the World War II one, um, which is you know a big a big pull for them. Um, and then they grabbed a couple other, you know, indie movies and things like that, uh, that kind of hit Sundance and they were going to hit the festival circuit. So it's exciting that, you know, a lot of these smaller movies are still getting that, uh, wider audience, uh, that if you will, um, even without the festival circuit that I'm, assu- I'm assuming we're probably not going to have a festival circuit this year. Probably not. I think, um, mm-hmm. I think the festival circuit's probably going to be dead for a little bit, maybe until next year. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what you know what the fall looks like with Toronto usually being the Kickstarter for award season. I, I don't know. Um, you know, you may you may see some some spotlight uh, 
you know, streaming festivals pop up on the different platforms because, you know, that's, that's, that's all people have right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, I know, uh, Amazon tried to do that with South by Southwest and I don't really think it caught on. Like they tried to make it this big thing where a lot of like the movies that were supposed to be at South by Southwest were going to be in this whole digital, uh, online fest. Uh, and we only got like six or seven movies and they were mainly like documentaries or like, uh, short films and stuff. So, uh, I wouldn't say it was underwhelming, but definitely not what we expected. So, um, it's interesting to see, you know, now that this has been going on for a lot longer and it, it's clear that this isn't going to end anytime soon, uh, how they adapt into the fall. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of jumping a ship again into another streaming service, um, HBO Max uh, has announced that they are officially releasing the um, long rumored uh, Schneider cut of uh, Justice League, which is wild. It just blows my mind that something like that even exists out there, um, but also very exciting. Yeah, this is this is a huge deal because for years it's it's been it's been rumored, uh, never officially confirmed by the studio. Um, fans have been clamoring for it for a long time and yesterday at the end of the man of steel um anniversary screening um they did like a viewing online and um zach snyder and his wife deborah uh did like a live commentary and henry cavill even joined uh joined in for a bit and then at the end of it uh you know they they announced that uh, Zack Snyder's, well, I think what they're officially calling Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, will hit HBO Max uh, in 2021. And what's really interesting, this is probably the thing I find most interesting about the whole bit, is they haven't confirmed yet if it's going to be one four-hour movie or a six-part miniseries or something along those lines. And that's, I mean, they they said that they cut out a good hour and a half of footage, and that was before you know visual effects were done and before filming was done if they're going to go back and redo all these visual effects and like master the audio and stuff who's to say that they're not going to film more to the story to you know complete his vision all the way through i mean we already know that uh you know there's another uh justice league member that we didn't even get they didn't even touch on in the justice league that we saw in theaters all the marketing for it kept saying unite the seven so we know there's a seventh member but we have no idea who so it's it's wild, you know? Yeah. I'm curious to see what ends up coming of that. Um, I know yesterday, uh, Zack Snyder said they were assembling the, the same post-production team that worked on it originally. Um, so I'm really curious to see where this goes. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, why are they not releasing it now? We're all at home. We're not doing anything. I want to watch it now. Um, or why is it not with HBO max when it launches? Uh, and the main reason for that is, uh, it's not done. Um, Zack Snyder hasn't had the access to, to work on this. I, I don't know how recent or not recent the deal was with HBO and Warner Brothers to finish the film um, and release it. But uh, he said the movie's not done. There still is post-production to be done. Um, and I, he said the product we saw when Justice League came out in 2017 ended up being only 20% of his vision for the Justice League movie. So I'm so curious to see what this ends up being. Um, and and I'm really excited about it because I'm this excited about this movie and I'm not what most would call a Zack Snyder fan. I like Dawn of the Dead and I like 300. Mm. I don't like almost anything else he's done. Not even a fan so, of Watchmen, huh? 
No, I don't. Um, and I love the book and I'm, I'm actually currently almost done with the uh, TV show uh, on HBO. I have one more episode and I am absolutely okay. in love with that show. So I, I did not like the movie. Um, I, I, I can't pinpoint what I didn't like about it, but I just didn't like it. But you know what? I was younger when the movie came out. So maybe I'll give it another shot, especially now I just watched, um, you know, I just watched the TV show. I'm about to finish it. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. T- today or tomorrow or the next couple of days so maybe i'll go back and revisit the movie because i i don't think i've seen it since theaters in 2009 so it's been a while yeah so maybe it's uh maybe it's time yeah and i think it's it's a different type of superhero movie than a lot of people were expecting um which kind of you know i don't want to say gave it a bad name but uh you know it definitely because that was right around the time we had dark knight and we were we had just gotten iron man and all that stuff and then this movie that's a really heavy like makes you think kind of film. Um, I don't, I, I don't, you know, maybe it wasn't the right time to release it, but yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's my favorite superhero film, but I definitely would definitely recommend giving it another watch. Yeah. I, I, I probably will end up revisiting it, especially after watching the show. Um, cause I'm picking up a lot that I remember from the graphic novel mm-hmm. and what I remember from the movie, but I'm sure there's, there's a ton that I don't. So I feel like with the show fresh in my mind, it might be interesting to go back and revisit the movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I kind of, now that we have the Snyder cut out there and that it actually exists, uh, I thought it would be kind of fun. Uh, I was kind of playing with this in my head the other day. Um, if you could have one film that does exist in some capacity, I don't want to go into like one, like film that was, you know, rumored or whatever. Cause then we could get into all the, Ke- all the Kevin Smith superhero movies and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you could have one movie that, exists in some capacity and i'll even narrow it down um the lord and miller solo uh edgar wright ant-man or uh zach snyder uh justice league if you could have one of those which one would it be uh edgar wright's ant-man hands down no question yeah i think i think i'm right there with you um you know i i i go back and forth on that and solo um, but I, I never really thought we needed a solo film. Um, you could definitely tell in the beginning of solo, uh, when, especially on his first planet, when, it, when he's arguing with that weird slug that's in the water, that was definitely yeah. a, uh, Lord and Miller bit. Um, and that humor was there and you could feel it and it was great. But again, I don't think we ever needed a solo film. So I think, yeah, I would definitely do, um, Edgar Wright's Ant-Man on that one too. Yeah, and I, I just remember being so incredibly jazzed about Ant Man. Like I'm I'm a diehard Edgar Wright fan. I love all of his movies. Like there's not a single one of his movies I don't like. Um Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is one of my favorite movies of all time, which we will talk a bit more about in a few minutes. Um so the idea of him doing an MCU movie starring Paul Rudd, I was like, you were like going through my list of what what does Billy dream about? Paul Rudd, check, Marvel, check, Edgar Wright, check. And I was like, this is it. This is going to be great. And then, uh, you know, creative differences uh, happened. And uh, we ended up not getting the Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie that we all wanted and deserved. But we ended up getting a still really, really great Ant-Man movie. This is not to disparage. This is not to disparage Peyton Reed at all. Dude came into a very very tough situation especially because they didn't change a lot of the original script like the edgar wright and joe cornish are still credited as writers Mm -hmm. so a lot of their script is still there and you can tell 
what is still theirs. Like I've, I haven't seen this confirmed, but there's just no way in hell that that briefcase scene when Ant-Man is fighting in the briefcase and the, uh, the iPod is playing, like there is just yeah. no way that was not an Edgar Wright creation. Like it absolutely was. That's a, that's an Edgar Wright scene through and through for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not to discredit them. Um, but you know, I also think that it's, it's possible that, you know, that Edgar Wright was ahead, you know, he was ahead of the curve for Marvel because I think now they've kind of corrected course and they're taking a lot more creative liberties and like taking, you know, taking strides you wouldn't think. Like I never would have thought we'd get a uh, Taika Waititi um, Thor, let alone a, a second Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi. Um, so I think that, you know, in the Sam Raimi coming back into the MCU with Doctor Strange too, I think if, yeah. if they would have brought in Edgar Wright now, I think it would have been a perfect fit, but I think back then Marvel was still trying to find their footing and trying to figure out, you know, their groundwork, uh, even, you know, 11 or 13, 12 films in, they were still trying to find their groundwork. So, um, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where we are with the MCU now and it, it's fun to, I guess, fun to dream about, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think what, what probably didn't help matters either was Ant-Man was going to be the first movie right after um, uh, Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, Joss Whedon wasn't, uh, didn't have the greatest experience working on Age of Ultron. And I, I don't know if the Marvel side of that feels the same way, but I, I, I can't help but think that if, if the Joss Whedon experience on Age of Ultron went the way it did, um, I, I can't, I, I have to think that that influenced the Edgar Wright uh, moves as well. And then, cause for a while they got pretty safe with their choices mm -hmm. uh, for who their directors were. They, they started going after directors that they could mold themselves. Um, so they, they went away from getting the big names and they went towards people who had done smaller movies that wouldn't give as much pushback. And, they could make the movie that the studio wanted to make. Whereas Edgar Wright, you know, if you've seen any of his movies, they're unmistakably his, like mm -hmm. there is no sign of a studio tampering with his movies because his movies have his own style. And, and luckily he was with universal for the first four movies of his career. And they were so super supportive of his ideas and his vision. So they're like, yeah, Hey, do what you're, do what you're going to do. You know, you've done well for us. Um, it wasn't until Baby Driver that he started working with Sony, which obviously mm -hmm. worked really well too. So uh, I can see now if 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 they were to try to bring him in now and the Ant-Man thing hadn't happened, I can only imagine what a, a current day Edgar Wright Marvel movie would be like. But I'm not going to complain because in my opinion, Edgar Wright made his magnum opus of a superhero movie and that was Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim is great. Baby Driver is great. So – you know, it's he. He still has he still has a career ahead of him, and I don't really think this hurt him at all. So, um, it's just kind of like a, you know, I guess Marvel's what if, if you will. Yeah. And uh, since since we are already talking about Edgar Wright and Scott Pilgrim, um, last night after um, Scott Pilgrim, there was a uh, screening online where you can watch along with uh, a commentary uh, feed from Edgar Wright, and then. Brandon Routh joined in and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Michael Sarah and a bunch of people were tweeting and sending did, videos did and things watch? like that. I, I, I didn't watch. I read through a lot of the tweets because okay. the way it was set up was they said 
it wasn't like you click and watch the feed. It was, you know, everyone start at 8 p.m. Eastern and then follow mm. along on Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I, so I read through all the tweets after and it was cool because it was a, it was a lot of like reminiscing about when they were filming and stories about what went on on set and, and stories about certain scenes. But at the very end of it, Edgar Wright uh, said, man, this was a lot of fun. Watching it, you know, at home is really great, but you know, it's going to be better than watching it at home watching it on the Dolby screen um, because this year's the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim, which I cannot believe that is just not possible that it's been 10 years. Um, But once the world and movie theater, uh, you know, movie theaters reopen and things get back to normal, Scott Pilgrim versus the world will be getting a 10th anniversary Dolby cinema re-release. And then once that is finished, it will hit um, 4k at home on Blu-ray. Oh, so exciting. I that's can't gonna, wait, man. That's going to be awesome. I remember seeing it in 2010 and just having my mind blown because I, I read the graphic novels and I loved them. And I love Edgar Wright, as I've already said many times in this podcast. So I, it was just such a match made in heaven for me. And seeing it on the big screen, I was just in love. But I also couldn't help but think how great this would be on what they call the premium large format screens, which back mm-hmm. then was really only IMAX. Like we, in 2010, Dolby wasn't a huge, huge deal yet. You know, RPX and, um, God, all these, you know, 40 you know, 40 X, yeah. All these fancy big screen upcharge uh, experiences. The, the, those weren't very popular aside from you had IMAX for the big, big, huge budget movies. Uh, and they were like for the big summer popcorn movies and something like Scott Pilgrim, which I think the budget was 40 or 60 million. It wasn't a very, it wasn't considered a big movie. Mm-hmm. So th- back then those movies did not get large format releases. So I just always thought, man, this would be so cool to see in IMAX. So now that we're getting it in Dolby, I just think that is the coolest thing. Like, you know, 10 years down the line, uh, it's a, it's a little dream come true. And not related to movies per se, but still Scott Pilgrim related. Uh, there are rumors, nothing's confirmed, but um, during the tweet along uh, feed last night, the comic creator, Brian Lee O'Malley, tweeted, bring back the Scott Pilgrim video game. And uh, Ubisoft tweeted back with like the hand on chin thinking emoji. Huh. Okay. So, I I mean that game's been gone from all the digital platforms for years because of rights issues. If Universal was going to put the money behind this movie to to put it back on the big screen and re-release it in 4K and in Dolby, I I can't help but think they're going to put some money up to uh to get this game re-released and oh. if I can get that on the Switch or the PS4, oh man, I'm in. I'm so in. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. That was cuz that's such a good like even just I'm not even a Scott Pilgrim, it's a good like side scroller. It's, right. a, it's, it's a, a great, great side scroller beat 'em up. It's 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 so insanely difficult too. Mm-hmm. Like it's very very hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of like uh, reminded me of like you know the X Men um, yep. or like or TMNT, like a, but like with the difficulty of Cuphead. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty much it was modeled after River City Ransom, which okay. is one of the hardest side scroller beat 'em ups ever. Oh, and you, you could definitely tell that it was modeled after that because I was I remember getting so mad at that game. Like I honestly, and I'm sure people have done it, but I am what many people in the video game world would consider a casual. 
I, I love games and I play them uh, a ton, but I play on easy. I, I play for, uh, as I joke around with some of my other friends, I play for a good time, not a hard time. Yeah, fair. So I'm in there for the story. I'm in there for the fun experience. I'm not there for the challenge. Um, so what do you call it? baby mode, easy mode, you know, whatever it is, I don't care. I'm in for the, for the fun of it. So I, I don't think that game is beatable on your own. I'm sure some super gamer has done it, but I think for me, the only way to beat it is if I'm playing with like three other people and there's four of us trying to beat this game. Yeah, eh, I can see it. I mean, it, it really brings you back to the old arc arcade days. So, yep. So <laughs> hopefully it does get re-released and hopefully, uh, me, you, and, uh, two other buddies can play on the switch this summer. Hey, fingers crossed. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of a, you know, a good stopping point just for this week. And there's still a lot of things we didn't really get to cover this week, but you know, we'll have a, another session. Um, so let's jump into, uh, the whole point of like why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place and kind of like fill our listeners in the one or two of you out there, um, on, you know, what's, would have come out this week, where it's going and what is coming out this week. So, um, so I think this week would have been, uh, fast nine and yeah. yep, fast nine. Right. Um, which, yeah, we probably would have been getting to the theater right about now for a six or seven o'clock Dolby show <laughs> right about now. Yeah. We, I've, I've had those tickets or I had those tickets since a uh, Super Bowl Sunday back in February. Uh, but they're long gone now, but, um, <laughs> So Fast Nine got pushed to May of is it May of next year or June of next year? Uh, May they pushed pretty mm -hmm. much a full year. Okay, so May of next year. Um, bummer, but makes sense for a big film like that. It, I don't think you know the big blockbusters getting digital or video on demand is the right. I'm move, sorry, so. uh, April, April second next okay. year. Oh. April second. Okay, so it's coming, um, and then. <laughs> Uh, SpongeBob Sponge Out of Water was supposed to come out this week too. Interesting choice to go up against uh, Fast Nine, but hey, you know, greater minds—they yeah, know what good. they think, they know what they're doing. But um, good counter programming. Yeah, I think so. Um, that got pushed originally. Got pushed to July thirty first, um, and then I think when uh, Disney dropped Mulan on the twenty fourth, they pushed it up another week to August seventh. So. Um, if theaters are up and running, if, in, if, uh, inners or not in, interstellar, if tenant can prove that there is a, uh, a summer blockbuster season to be had, uh, we'll have SpongeBob, uh, sponge out of water on August 7th. Well, we actually might have that one sooner than you think. Um, that one was also mentioned in the Paramount, uh, discussions about, um, Bill and Ted. Oh, Okay. That that and Bill and Ted were two titles that Paramount had discussed about sending to uh, streaming. So okay. we may we may see that uh, sooner rather than later. So you know they could they could put it out sometime in June on streaming, or or they could stick to their original date they have now in August on streaming. We don't know yet, but I know the when Paramount said they're considering going to streaming for some of their titles this summer, Bill and Ted and, and SpongeBob were two they the two of the ones they named uh, oh. in the discussions. Okay. It makes sense. I mean, SpongeBob, you know, clearly they've shifted it three times. So clearly they're unsure about what to do with it. Um, yeah. and I think that with the success of, uh, Trolls World Tour and the success of Scoob, you know, there is a, a fan base out there for children based animated films on video on demand. So makes sense to me. Um, and then I'll let you, uh, Billy, uh, tell us what is, what is coming out this week. 
Uh, this week we only have one, which is really sad for a uh, you know a Friday in late May. But uh, this week we have uh, Lovebirds coming out on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. And- uh, for the, those who don't know, that's the new Michael Showalter directed movie uh, who did The Big Sick, um, and this is with um, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it. You know, I think he's he's great. Uh, you know, none of his movies are like groundbreaking or revolutionary. Uh, the The Big Sick was great. Uh, so I guess I take that back. The Big Sick was great, but um, the Stuber was not the best comedy. It had its moments, but it wasn't the greatest. Um, but I am definitely excited to check out Lovebirds. Yeah, I mean, I I love The Big Sick, and I love Michael Showalter. Uh, you know, from his stuff and like Wet Hot American Summer and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I, um, I'm, I'm really hopeful for this one. I, I will admit the trailers did not do a lot to make me want to see this. But once I found out it was Showalter, I'm like, you know what? That trailer could just not be a good trailer. I've seen great movies with bad trailers before. So and now that it's on Netflix, whatever. That's you know an hour and forty minutes of my life. I'll you know what else am I doing right now? Yep, and it, it's an R-rated comedy too. So uh, hopefully it'll have some raunchy, just off the walls, just crazy shit going on so yeah hopefully all right um so you know uh you i think we it's a good point to kind of end it every week with you know what have we been watching or what do we watch this week so um what what was what are you watching this week what was the last movie you watched um i've actually watched a couple of movies this week uh two that i've seen before and one that was brand new um i'll start with the two that i've seen before um, we watched Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, uh, the other night, it was actually nice. just on one of the movie channels and we just caught it as it started and we hadn't watched it in a couple of years. So like, you know, let's leave it on. And man, I love that movie. It just made me so much more excited for the third one. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that that streaming, uh, thing for that happens sooner rather than later. Um, but one thing we've been doing a lot is we'll just flip around the movie channels uh, when we're getting ready to eat dinner just to put something on and we'll typically look for something we've seen before. So, you know, we, we, we don't pay attention. It's not a big deal. Um, and the other night, uh, Courtney landed on big fat liar. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that since surprise since it came out. Maybe I um, used to then. love that movie back in, when I was a kid, like that was like one of my favorite movies growing up. I don't, you know, I mean, that may Dude, aid it, me a little bit, but it was, it was good. <laughs> It, it it holds up like it still works exactly for what it's supposed to be. Um, you know, some of the jokes in there are still really funny. Um, I, you know, it, it was fun to watch that again. Okay. Um, but the the new movie we watched this week, and I think you watched this too. Uh, we watched Scoob. Okay. Yeah, I did watch Scoob. So. Yeah, uh, we enjoyed it. You know, it's it's I, I I'll say it is a totally harmless, you know, fun, fine Scooby Doo movie. Um, I still. As good as the voice cast in this was, I, I thought everyone did a really good job. Um, I I wish Matthew Lillard was still the voice of Shaggy. I mean, and he even uh, on Twitter kind of you know tw- uh, tweeted about how he was kind of like bummed that he didn't get to voice Shaggy. So I don't know if it was just you know uh, agent you know, disagreements or things like that, or maybe they just wanted to go in a different direction. But you know, well, I think yeah, they went in a totally different direction because all four of them were new. Yeah, uh, and none of, none of them were were unknowns. It was um, Will Forte is Shaggy, um, Zach Efron is Fred, uh, Amanda Seyfried is Daphne, and Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin is uh, Velma. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
I, th- I think the only voice that wasn't replaced was Frank Welker as uh, Scooby. Scooby. Yep, and I mean, and they had a good cast outside of that too. You had uh, Ken Jong was uh, the Dino Mutt. Dino Mutt. Dino Mutt. Yeah, and uh, Mark Wahlberg was a uh, Blue Falcon. Yeah, you had a good, you had a good cast on that. So it was, um, and like I said, movie's totally fine. It was fun. Some good jokes. Um, you know, some of the stuff they tried to modernize it, I thought was a little weird and didn't work, but. You know, totally fun 90-minute movie. You know, we, we enjoyed it. Yeah, a nice uh, time killer for sure. Um, yeah. So, for, yeah, for me, um, I've been watching a lot of TV shows, catching up on a lot of uh, Netflix. You know, I honestly, I never got into Ozark, so I started watching Ozark. Um, nice. Yeah, so I'm only on season one, but I'm getting there. Um, so I've been watching a lot of TV shows, but uh, movie-wise, uh, going through the list of movies – that you know, I have I have missed in the past. Uh, it's a uh, it's on Hulu. It's called Tragedy Girls. It's a horror film. Um, okay. Have you seen it? No, I I thought I did, but I was thinking of the Final Girls. No, okay. So I, I, Final Girls was good too. Um, but uh, Tragedy Girls is kind of like a dark satire on like uh, you know social media and like that um, claim to fame kind of thing. It's about two um, high school girls who um, want to become social media famous. So they start going on a murder spree to try to create their own hashtag as the tragedy girls to build their notoriety as like serial killers. So it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a dark comedy, but it gets really dark. Um, Definitely give it a chance. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right, cool. I didn't, uh, I didn't know we were, we were including TV in this. We've been, you know, we've been doing a bunch of TV as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been when, when the whole quarantine started, I, I wanted to pick a show that was long and then I never jumped into. Um, and so I landed on Bob's Burgers. Ah, okay. Uh, I never, I, I'd watched season one years ago and I never continued and I don't know why. Um, so I, I just went back to the beginning and started over. So I'm currently in the middle of season seven. So I'm almost there. I'm about 75% done. Um, but the, we've been knocking out little shows too, like shows that are one season or shows that are, you know, it's still running right now. So we, we watched upload last week, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Upload was great. Um, and then we're, we're keeping up week, week to week with uh, defending Jacob, the Chris Evans show on Apple TV plus. Okay. I might have to give that one a shot. I, I've, I've been kind of slacking on Disney plus or not just plus Apple TV plus. Uh, I want to watch that. Um, I always forget the name of it, but uh, the, video game one um oh mythic quest mythic quest yeah i'm a couple episodes into that i've enjoyed what i watched uh i just finished uh season one of uh, dead to me i saw that the uh, netflix the season two started so oh yeah yeah, yeah. it was pretty fun so yeah nice. good time i feel like in all this if we're we're nothing if not productive watching television yeah absolutely right <laughs> so all right man well this has been fun uh minus those uh, technical difficulties hopefully We'll get those hammered out for next uh, week's episode. But uh, yeah, until next week. Yeah, this was a good one. We'll uh, we'll we'll get everything sorted out for next time. But uh, until next time, uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we look forward to recording again for you guys soon. But until then, I am Billy, and I'm Casey. Have a great week. All right. <laughs>